Good morning. Welcome to this pre-recorded worship service for May the 2nd, coming to you from the Church of the Palms of Sarasota, Florida. We're glad you joined us. Today is Communion Sunday, and we invite you to partake in our Lord's gifts of bread and cup with us. As we share this hour of worship together, our prayer is that you will experience the presence of God in a special way. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad as we prepare our hearts and our minds for worship.
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt God's name together. Let us worship God. the love of God that seeks to live in us. Remember the times you have felt connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. Listen again to the promise and challenge. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Bear much fruit and become my disciples. Let us join together in our prayer of confession. 
O oh God, we have ignored our origin in you and denied your rule over the nations. We have pursued illusions of self-interest rather than abiding in your love. We have turned away from brothers and sisters as if they were enemies to be hated. We are afraid to love those who differ from us or who have the power to harm us. We hesitate to take the risks of caring for fear that we may be hurt. Discipleship seems too demanding. O oh God, release us from our fears and failures to trust your love and live with bold generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. There is good news for all who sincerely repent and seek a living, growing relationship with God. Those who are open to the gift of God's love are blessed with the capacity to extend love to others and thus experience the depth and riches of life that God intends for us. When we love one another, God's love is perfected in us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are united in one great church universal, and we get to affirm our beliefs through the Apostles' Creed, words that are recited in many different languages all over the world. Let us boldly affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, whether you are worshiping with us from near or from far, we take this time to share the peace of Christ with each other. Peace be with you.
Welcome to worship on this fifth Sunday of Easter. We are delighted that you have found us on your device. We wanted to let you know that we are aware of the most recent recommendations by the CDC, and we are taking that into account as we make plans for moving forward. As we get through this COVID cloud, we are so hopeful that we will see you again in person. We really do miss you. Well, I have just three announcements for today. First, you heard from Marlene Petro a couple of weeks ago that we are sponsoring Day of Hope on July 17th. And you can participate in three different ways. First, you can drop off toothbrushes and toothpaste to our office, kids and adult sizes, new, of course. Two, you can volunteer on our website. And three, you can give a monetary donation. And if you remember, it costs $100 per student, and we intend to host 250 students. It is really easy to give on our website, you push the Give button, and then you choose the fund, and you would click Day of Hope and give the amount that you wish to sponsor. Thank you so much for your support for this important ministry. Second, we are excited that we are going to have our sister church, Light of the World Church. The members from that church are going to join us for our conversation about our, on our book, How to Fight Racism by Jamar Tisby. We even get to hear from their pastor, Kelvin Lumpkin. So we hope that you will register for the Zoom link for that talk, which is on May 10th at 6 o'clock. Third and final, we are looking, forward, looking for more writers who can help us share the stories on our mission partners or other things that happen to be going on in our church. So if you like to write and you want to serve in this particular way, we would ask that you would reach out to Sarah Soboleski. Now, we are at that point in our service called the moment of gratitude. Isn't that great? We get to take a moment in our worship service just to pause and give thanks to God for our many, many blessings. One way that we can give thanks and worship God is with our time. We volunteer and we serve. Another way we worship God is with our talents. However God may have gifted us, we take that and we use it to glorify God. The third thing we do is to give a portion of our treasure. There are many ways to give financially, and we are so grateful for you and for your generosity. May you continue to pause each and every day to give thanks to God for the good things in your life, and may you respond with joyful generosity.
Let us pray. Lord God, provident God, you have entrusted us with gifts and ask us to use them to build your kingdom. With thanks and praise, we respond to your call and we bring these gifts that have been given in so many ways, returning your generosity by committing ourselves to love and to serve wherever you call. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, it is that time for the children's moment. So we invite mom and dad to gather their children close by for a little conversation with Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve is doing the children's moment and the adult moment today, which means I get paid double for my work. So that's good news. So I was thinking about something that we're hearing a lot about these days, and that is vaccines. I bet you've been hearing that word a lot, vaccines or vaccinations, and maybe mom and dad have already gotten their vaccinations, and I sure did. I got two shots two weeks apart, and they kind of put this needle on you, and there's this little bit of liquid, like they call it a serum, that really, really smart people created to be put into your body so that your body can be strengthened to resist all the bad stuff that this COVID-19 is bringing about. And uh, it's a really great thing, and it's a wonderful way to take care of each other to get a vaccination, and we sure hope that more and more people do so that we can go back to kind of normal again. So we encourage you to encourage all of your friends and parents to, to do so. But we, I was thinking about getting these vaccines and what they do and how they kind of strengthen our bodies in order to sort of ward off all this stuff. And I got thinking about that in relationship to communion. Today we are receiving communion. We do that every first Sunday of the month. And it's a time for the people of God to come together and to receive uh, the bread and the cup. And we pour cup into the chalice, and by pouring this grape juice into the chalice, we remember the blood of the covenant that Jesus died for us, that he loved us so much that he was sacrificed. And the bread represents the body, and the juice represents the blood of Jesus to remind us again how much God loves us. And he loves us so much that he's willing to sacrifice himself for us. And you know, when we receive communion, we just take a little bit of bread. You'll watch the pastors when they, we receive communion together. And I invite you and your family to get a piece of bread and, and some juice or wine that you can enjoy together with us. As we receive communion, we take a little piece of bread. You'll see the pastors do that. And we'll take a little sip of juice. And it reminds us of God's love. And by doing so, it's almost as if God's love is pouring into us, kind of like that little bit of serum that went into our bodies. And it helps to strengthen us so that we can be courageous and go out into the world and love all people so that all people know about the love that we celebrate at this table. So I want you to think about that when you're receiving communion today, that you're taking a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice, and you're being reminded of how God's love is poured into you to strengthen you, to make you courageous so that you can go out into the world and share God's love with all of God's people. Will you, play, will you pray with me? 
Dear God, we thank you that you love us so much that you sacrificed yourself for us. And we thank you that you gave us this meal that we could take a little piece of bread and some juice and be reminded of that wonderful love that you have for us such that we can be strengthened to do all that you've called us to do in the world and to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, part two. Well, this morning we are going to be looking at the last fruit of the Spirit as identified by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. I suspect some of you have committed this list of nine fruits to your memory. If you haven't, it's not a bad idea. It might serve as a good checklist as you're wondering about your own journey in spiritual formation. It's not a bad question to ask. How am I doing with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Or, or maybe to do what we've been doing over the past year, to take a month each with each fruit of the Spirit and reflect upon how a parent is that fruit in your life? For example, generosity. How does generosity appear in my life? How accessible is that fruit for other people? What does my checkbook tell me about generosity? Or, or patience. How does patience get experienced through me by other people? And the list goes on and on. But I suppose the fruit of the Spirit is where the rubber meets the road. James in his letter says that faith without works is dead. And I suspect it was something like the fruit of the spirit that he was talking about. How, how are we opening our lives to the work of the spirit such that the outcome is this delectable fruit that extends from our branches that makes us and in turn Jesus irresistible to the yearnings of others. So for today and the following two weeks, before we shift our gears to celebrating Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, we will focus on the fruit of self-control. And we'll do so by using the story of Jesus in the wilderness as an outline for our consideration of self-control. Jesus is tempted by the devil in three particular ways in the wilderness. And Jesus is able to exercise self-control in resisting these temptations. So we'll, we'll take a look at each one of these temptations one week at a time and Jesus' response as a way of wondering about the opportunities we have to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Today I'll be reading from Matthew's account of the temptations of Jesus, and then I'll be reading another story from Luke's Gospel. But before reading, it's important to note that one of the things about the story of Jesus and the devil is that it all comes about when Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's a very important point to remember. Self-control begins when you are willing to surrender yourself to the leading of the Spirit. This is not as much a story of Jesus' strength as much as it is a story of Jesus' submission. His self-control comes as a result of allowing the Spirit to empower him and focus him and guide him to respond to the temptations at hand, including the spiritual discipline of fasting. Jesus journeys into the wilderness and fasts because the spiritual discipline of fasting in part, focuses one's attention on the essential element of life, which is communion with God. 
The deeper I am in communion with God, the greater power I have to exercise self-control. The less in communion with God, the easier it is to chase after the first distraction. Not, I suppose, unlike dog training. Dog training is about, right, the communion of dog and master. A, a previously uncontrollable dog learns to exercise self-control the deeper in communion that dog is with his master. Less willing to chase, perhaps, the first rabbit that darts across his path. As a communion I was never able to achieve with the several dogs we own. But allow me to read from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he, let, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, ah, Again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Our second lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you allow these words to come, to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. A dear friend of mine is a biker. He 
loves riding, driving motorcycles. Me, I'm scared to death of them, but he loves his big touring motorcycles and looks forward to when he can take some time and cruise on a long distance interstate track. And he tells the story of once saving up his money to buy a BMW touring bike with all the bells and whistles, all the electronics, the stereo system. I didn't know motorcycles had stereo systems. Air conditioning. I didn't know motorcycles had air conditioning. And anything else that you can imagine. And finally came the day when the amount he had saved equaled the price of the bike, and off he went to get his dream. Thrill went through his bones as he drove off the lot, and for the next couple of, couple of hours he traversed hill and dale, delighting in his new acquisition. As the sun set, he drove it up his driveway and parked it in the garage, and on the way into the house, he stopped at the mailbox to check the mail, and inside the mailbox was the just-released BMW motorcycle catalog with the just-announced, newly-designed version of the bike he had just purchased and that for the two hours previous had thoroughly enjoyed. But now, he admitted, the luster had faded, the bloom was off the rose, and now his sights were on the new and improved bike, the latest rabbit to dart across the path. Strange how our wants can so quickly change. What was it that Oscar Wilde said, the two great tragedies of life are not getting what you want and getting it. And if you've ever stumbled across the story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, then you likely remember that encounter between the young boy Edmund and the White Witch, and the witch entices the unsuspecting boy by asking him what he would like to eat. And like most red-blooded boys, what comes to mind first is candy, and in particular, Turkish delight, a quite sweet, gummy British candy, and the, and the queen produces it, and Edmund takes a piece and so enjoys it. But because it's enchanted, this Turkish light leaves him wanting more, and he wants more and more and more, and he will do anything the witch says if he can just have more Turkish delight. Strange how our wants so quickly change to our needs, from I'd like to have this to I have to have this. Which explains, I suppose, the experience at the McConnell household earlier this year when it became necessary to replace the entire floor in our home, joy, joy. And so what that means is that nearly all your earthly possessions have to go somewhere else for a time. In this case, it meant the garage as we lugged but bags and boxes of stuff and junk, we were happy to take half of it over to Goodwill. But even then, the garage was full, and so when it came time to put it all back, another half off to Goodwill. How did we get all this stuff somewhere? The like to have became the have to have which may have been the issue at hand when Jesus told the story about the man with the barns. It's the story he tells in the midst of a family squabble over inheritance, nothing like inheritance to ruin the best of families. And Jesus says the thing that we know is right, but we spend all of our lives trying to prove wrong. Jesus says life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Did you hear that? Life does not consist 
in the abundance of possessions. And of course, the abundance of possessions comes as a result of our wants changing to our needs, the nice to have changing to the have to have. And so Jesus tells the story of the man who produce, whose land produces a good crop. And somewhere along the way, the man's like to have has changed to a have to have. And it never dawns on him, of course, that the basic needs which have been met for him, the three square meals a day, are possibly basic needs that have not been met for others. But he has to have more. The old little barns won't do, so down they come and bigger barns go up because you can never have too much. You can never have too much. Which I suppose is what the devil is saying to Jesus. Come on, Jesus, <laughs> you can never have too much. Man, if you wanted to, you could turn those stones to bread and build yourself a bakery, and not just one bakery, but two, three, ten, just for you, and you can franchise and go public, because Jesus, you can never have too much. The devil thinks that he's got Jesus just where he wants him, depleted and weakened. It's usually, when the, it's usually when the devil shows up, it's the best trick he's got, showing up when we're empty, showing up just when our wants become our needs. But what the devil fails to take into account is that Jesus is there because he's been driven by the Spirit. Jesus is there because he has surrendered to the Spirit. Jesus is there already in deep communion with God. Jesus is so deeply in touch with the loving presence of the Father, the sustaining presence of the Creator. And so as he entertains the thoughts, the, the likes, the wants, and the needs, there is the Spirit still of self-control that reminds him of what life consists of. And what life consists of is not bread alone. There's a different menu than the devil's. Human beings live and breathe upon the life-giving word of God, and the life-giving word of God fills the soul, and the filled soul knows that bakery bread will come as much as needed if not as much as wanted. Which explains why the last thing Jesus did with his disciples is to gather them finally at table around another loaf, an unleavened loaf, to remind them again what life consists of. Yes, a little bread for the body but more bread for the soul. The word of God, the very breath of God, breathe through the broken bread and the poured cup. The communion of God through which we find our self-control. Lauren Winner, the Duke theologian in her book, Girl Meets God, reminds us of the different names for the meal about which we are to partake, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist. And she remembers another name. She hearkens back to the early centuries of the church and the Latin word they used to name the meal, viaticum, a Roman term that referred to the designated food, clothes, and money a Roman magistrate could take with him when he traveled on state business. In other words, the essentials. 
Don't pack too much, just the essentials. No big suitcases, no bigger barns, just viaticum. It's what they called way back then, the bread and cup, viaticum. All you really need. And like the prophet Elijah collapsing on his journey and the angel comes and bakes him the bread of heaven and says in so many words, Viaticum, arise, or else the journey will be too great for you. Arise and eat. Commune deeply with the host. Surrender yourself to the Spirit. Find here the power to say no when no must be said, and yes when yes must be said. For men and women live most on the word made flesh, broken and poured for us. Human beings do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And friends, we are grateful to be gathered at this feast to hear the word of God that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ to remind us of how much we are loved and that the bread broken and the cup poured are all for us to, re to understand how much God 
loves his world. So friends, you are invited to come and partake in this feast and to know of that sustenance which comes only from God, that we may be filled with God's love, that we may be empowered into the world, and that the world through our life might know the life of Christ and receive that life such that they may know of the way and the truth. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. For as often as you eat this bread, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We are grateful, O oh Lord, that life does not simply rest in the abundance of our possessions. We are thankful, O oh Lord, that life is much more than that. We are thankful that we don't need to build bigger barns. We don't need to provide for ourselves beyond the day, for you have promised to give us each day our daily bread. And so, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to be a part of our gathering at this table, that we may know of your work in our lives and that we may be strengthened by your Spirit such that we may know that we can say no when no must be said and we can say yes when yes must be said. For we commune with you and we feast in you. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took the bread and cup. Let us feast together.
Let us pray. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now, as we have been nourished and strengthened, send us forth in the power of your Spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.